Now is the winter of our delayed content made glorious also winter by that content not being delayed anymore. Today, we're talking the best new animated shows of 2021. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and binge watching. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And once in every season, there comes a show like this. For our Spamalot friends, there comes a show like this where we discuss the brand new shows, animated, category animated shows of the year. We watch them all. We try to. We try to watch as many of them as we possibly can. Figure out what's out there, what lingers, what things are out there that you might be interested in. So hopefully you can limit yourself and find those new gems, those new things to enjoy. What's out there in our present moment? At our knowledge is... Certainly not global and universal. You're welcome to love things that we don't mention and haven't watched and haven't told you to watch. See all of anime from 2021. I don't think we've previewed a single one for you. I'm sorry, anime fans. They're good, too. We just haven't watched them. You're right. We just haven't. It's not. I don't think it fits quite in our wheelhouse. I've, yeah. I mean, it's, in some ways. I, I, I don't, as a rule, dislike anime. I actually know a lot about anime through my sister and my husband. That's two different people. I <laughs> As we are obsessed with language on this podcast. Um, I've been around a lot of anime. I can name things that I like, um, but I, I don't actively keep up with it, I guess. It's like a poetry for me. I love reading poetry. I have a few poets that I really adore. Do I keep up with everything that's happening every year? No. I'm usually a few years behind. <laughs> but I like it. So this this year, uh, as, as we do, we take you through three different categories of shows. We take you through basically three different groups. So we have our young age group for the little ones. Um, we have the all ages for the little ones and the big ones. And then we have the adult oriented shows just for the big ones. So those are our three categories that we will talk through all the different, well, the recommended and interesting shows that we found through each of those categories. And usually each year we'll notice some things happening in the zeitgeist uh, with the shows that we've watched and are new. Um, there are a lot of geists this year. Yeah, things got spoopy. Spoopy? Yeah, like fun spooky. Spoopy. 
Okay. You know, it's it's what the internet calls spooky now. Spoopy is like Halloween cottagecore. Now I'm I sound like a TikTok trying to explain the internet. I I heard it. <laughs> I need to stop it. <laughs> so, do we have any themes right now? Do we, or do we want to leave that for later? I think it's worth talking about now, just because I don't think there's a lot to dissect from from what we're going to talk about in these themes. But theme number one, I mean, well, to recap first, from previous years has been the constant shift to streaming models that we've talked about ad nauseum Mm -hmm. in our annual episode. Um, And I think one of the themes this year, that's a subcategory that is brands. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's lots of good money and good shows in known IP. And it's, Mm. there's good original stuff out there too. And I think that the things that this year that got the most attention, um, are maybe from properties you already knew, like Marvel and Star Wars. Not a read, just a fact. Um, it is what it is. Um, and then otherwise, I followed along, I think, I don't know how many weeks ago I was before recording at this point, but there was the night when like all of internet and mourned Family Guy leaving Adult Swim. Uh, and I, I'm not the biggest Family Guy fan or even... I value things Adult Swim have brought, but I don't follow Adult Swim as a property either necessarily. But I like really dug into this, like what's going on here? And it's what we might consider like the canon of adult animated shows are now pretty much all owned by Disney. And that's all moving to Disney properties. So your family guys, your American dads, your Futuramas, of course, Simpsons, things like that. They're all leaving other services where they've been and they're going to start showing up on Disney Plus and FX and Hulu and things like that. And so that's driving, uh, in retrospect, a lot of these uh, new shows we've been talking about in this adult animation category. This year and last year, I think there's been a ton of new adult animated shows and it seems like people are trying to scramble to fill what used to be syndicated content from the same four or five TV shows for 20 years. (laughs) I think you're right. I think this is one of the longest lists of adult-oriented shows that I've seen in the all ages and the adult. Um, Because usually the young ages outnumbers everything. If I remember looking at our first (laughs) go-round, I remember our Young ages being the longest list, mm-hmm. and maybe there were four or five new shows. Um, you know, way back when we were like, "Oh, BoJack Horseman" and things like that. There's what about a little this newfangled show Steve about a horse? Universe. He's an actor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These these things, but now each of these lists is getting longer and longer, and I think we're almost at a point where. The streaming channels, for lack of a better word, the streaming services are probably like one year away from just overtaking these lists entirely. Uh, it's it's so they're so close to just having the HBO Max originals being everywhere, the Netflix originals, Disney Plus. I mean, a lot of them, too, are, like, 
I, I noticed this model only really while going through this list this year. I think a lot of them from Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and the Disney Channel. Um, there are very few new shows on those channels themselves, but a lot of the shows that they're airing started on the streaming services. So Paramount Plus, HBO Max, Disney Plus. And at least in the case of like HBO Max and Paramount Plus, they're branded as like um, like Rugrats 2021, the Paramount Plus original, but it's on the Nickelodeon app. It's airing on Nickelodeon weeks or months after it's been on the streaming service. So people seem to be <laughs> cable and TV channel, like live TV is becoming the unpremium <laughs> version Ooh. of getting the content. So while they may overtake this list, that doesn't mean there won't be new cartoons on TV. I think it's just going to be, you can get them somewhere else first. And that's what you're paying for the right to do, to watch them new. I'll pay for the right to not have to deal with the Cartoon Network app. <laughs> watch every 3HBO Max. Word. <laughs> yes. That is... The fact that I will, I will just say this about the Cartoon Network app: the fact that it blasts a commercial super loud, and none of my controls will work, even though it starts playing a show that I didn't pick, mm-hmm. and I'm stuck in a commercial blasting at me full volume for a minute and a half before any of my buttons will work. That's that is wrong. I don't think I'd opened it since last year, but I got so frustrated at the same thing. I'm like, oh, it's a year later and it's still doing this. This is working as designed. That's sad for <laughs> some great Cartoon Network shows. It is not a read on the shows on Cartoon Network, just the the app, the app. Go to the website. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Unit Kitty. Oh, I want to watch the. No, no, I'm trapped now. I'm trapped in a commercial. I'm done. You're you're done. Cartoon Network app. Now, um, moving on from that, <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the things that we're still watching from 2020? Anything that you still uh, have on your docket? Well, Chris, if you're like me, you may have had more time than before in the last <laughs> year to continue watching things you may have picked up. Uh, I have retained a number of shows this year that I'm still following. Um, I think top of my list is going to be The Owl House. Really love mm. The Owl House. It's That's a spoopy show. Um, <laughs> love it. Um, I think... Also, I'm going to put Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower Decks second as something I've retained. Um, of course, the whole Tales of Arcadia Empire finally ended this year, so I continued watching that through its end. Um, and that Animaniacs and Looney Tunes, when I'm currently subscribed to the streaming service, are on. I'll kind of catch up with whatever's new and going on there. Um, and then close enough on HBO Max. I still watch sporadically. It's kind of a good lunch show. Uh, I like as spoiled as I am and as much as I like continuity and like episodic things now with like arcs and structure and like tells a good story. I also like having something I can turn on at lunch and (laughs) it's not related to anything (laughs) before or after it. 
and close enough is a good uh a good show for filling that void for me it's entertaining um and i don't have to remember what happened last time <laughs> just the characters <laughs> how about yourself well my family uh we are all watching jurassic world camp cretaceous we 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 end up watching a new season in a weekend usually because we're just like let's let's all watch this. We all get really into where that story's going. I hope there's a season four. Let's see what happens. Um, I I'm watching Owl House. I may bring Jack in to watch it from the beginning again now that it's on Disney Plus. Um, and we always look for that family show to watch. Um, I do watch Looney Tunes cartoons every now and again. And close enough, I've, I've watched the entire second season. Um, that's my uh, laundry show. I think so. We have very, <laughs> <laughs> for the very same reason of I need something that's not a story that, you know, Rochelle is not going to get mad at me for watching by myself. So it's not, I'm not going to get ahead in the story or anything. And it's nine o'clock. I want to watch something, you know, 9 p.m., 10 p.m. I want to watch something that is going to entertain me, um, shock me a little bit, keep me awake, and feel feel good. There's something about watching a show like that. There's another show, which we'll talk about later, that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a laundry show. This is a laundry, <laughs> folding laundry show. That's fair. I, I have those for like the once every two months that I iron and it takes out because I'm one of those old school people that irons my shirts and it takes hours to iron and I will split it up. I can do like probably like five shirts in a 20 minute episode mm. <laughs> and I've rewatched Futurama too many times. So I need new shows <laughs> for laundry time <laughs> as well. I'm anxiously waiting your recommendation. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 really fun. Okay. Um, well, I guess digging into 2021 Ooh. and what was new, let's, let's start youngest and move upward. Um, so if you're looking for recommendations, um, for your kids, we're going to start with that first and we're going to move into for you and your kids to watch together or just you as a regular, like millennial, that's fine too. Um, and then we're eventually older than a millennial Jen. <laughs> I don't know what comes like, I, I don't even know what I am. I feel like I'm, I just missed Gen X. Like, I'm uh, not quite Gen X. That, that's a soapbox to unpack in this episode, too. When were you born again? 79. I think you're Gen X, because, like, the I'm elder millennials end at 80. Would you rather be Gen X or elder millennial? I don't even... Who know? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody wants me. I don't want my... Even I don't want me. I don't know. Well, we'll get to... Maybe we'll that get does to make like, me Gen X. That makes me Gen X. Yeah, <laughs> there you mind. go. You answered your own question. <laughs> we'll get to the shows uh, for just adults or people who are bored in college in the summer at late night um, as our adult-oriented programming at the end of the episode. So I think starting with uh, young ages, um, I think there's one or two shows that really stand out that we should talk about first, and I know you're excited to talk about um, and as soon as I turned them on, I was like, oh, they're from Chris Nee. Of course they're going to be good. <laughs> I, I think, what, is this, am I saying this right? We are Chris Nee stands 
Is that what people say? Chris knee stands. Are we part of the the Chris? Is it like a uh, is it like Beyonce is the beehive? Are we the Chris knee caps? Are we the Chris knee knights? As in the knights who say Chris knee? The knights who say Chris knee. Okay, I. She's gonna hate that or love it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but but is that what people say? Stands? Did I use that correctly? Yes. Yeah. That we're unpacking lots of internet language. That's how you know that we're definitely elder millennials or Gen X in this podcast. Yeah, I'm like I'm like really showing my age in this. So, uh, yeah. Please please go on, sir. Uh, well, the two that I caught for sure, and there might be more. Um, Ada Twist, scientist. Um, a Netflix original and Ridley Jones, another Netflix original. Uh, I saw both the beginning created by Chris Nee. It's like, well, there it is. These are going to be good. And Ada Twist Scientist, also executive produced by um, some up and coming folks involved in animation. I believe it's pronounced Obama. <laughs> Michelle and Barack Obama, I believe it's pronounced. Um, they're, they're dipping their toes into, you know, TV stuff. Uh, yeah. Oh no. How terrible for the world. (laughs) But I think Ada Twist and Ridley Jones both were really quick to engage Jack on like a visceral level. Just, I knew he was going to love them. Um, Ridley Jones is harkens closer to the Doc McStuffins. Like if it feels like it has the stuffins of Doc McStuffins in there. Yeah. If you feel, I think they're both kind of in the same Doc McStuffins formula. Um, Mm -hmm. formula isn't the right word. That makes it sound too generic. Doc McStuffins Bermuda triangle. Um, Ridley Jones is closer to that. Ada Twist, I thought, um, was a little further from Doc McStuffins, but still had a lot of the same um, cadence to its episode. Yeah. And I I did appreciate in Ada Twist that the the problems, it's, it's all about solving problems and building resilience and, you know, being okay with failing. And I think... Jack, as a perfectionist, needs to see shows like this where it's like, look, have the ideas. There are no bad ideas. Just get everything out. Like, brainstorm. He listens to the soundtrack now. It's like, look, this is what we're going to do. And now I have more terms and another uh, touchstone to say, like Ada Twist, it's like this. Let's, Let's just have a brainstorm. Figure out all the no ideas ever bad. Let's figure it out. It had extremely catchy lyrics. Um, and I was binge watching all these shows over the last 36 hours. So I didn't really write down any favorite things. But some of the Ada Twist lyrics would have been in there for favorite thing options. Also, I do love in Ada Twist that that they, they figure out... What do I want to say? They figure out... Uh, it's not like a problem of a character lying, you know, like the, like you know, some of these, some of these kids shows it's because the kid 
is learning a lesson and so has to make like a specific mistake to make the plot work. Hmm. And it's not quite about that. It's it's about investigating something else. It's problem solving. Um, and it's a little bit of external problems. So there's not a lot of internal, like, oh, no, I can't do it. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but... I like that it's external so we can work on these things a little bit differently. I also love in Ada Twist that at the end of each episode, there's a real scientist who talks about what what they've learned or some of the science behind what's actually going on in the episode. Yeah, I love that. I was so surprised when it happened in the one episode that I watched. I was like, oh, this is great. And it's not just about white dude scientists. A+. Plus. Because it's one thing to say, like, imagine a world where um, a scientist can be a black girl and put that animated show. And it's another thing to say, like, and here's some examples. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because they could have quite easily, I feel like a show like this would have been like, hello, I am actor in lab coat and I will show you the science from this episode. But no, they got people on their jobs at their places of work with the things they built showing you the stuff that they've worked on. I learned science things about whatever the replacement Hubble telescope is called again. The James Webb? I don't even know. I learned it uh, as a as a fact that I can't recall the exact name of, like a true elder millennial. <laughs> But, but yeah, the, the fact that you know that these chain reactions opened up the satellite. So it's like, oh, my gosh, like 30 days to, to have all these chain reactions. It's like, who figures out stuff like this? She does. Mm-hmm. It's a real person. <laughs> so it, it, it was just really exciting to have Ada Twist. Um, and Ridley Jones is just fun adventure. Um. There's, there's no denying, like, it's basically Indiana Jones for kids and a girl. Like, it, it doesn't hide it, and it just, it's exciting to have that with a little bit of magic. And it's the cool thing, both of those shows already have season two on the way, and, and Jack can't wait because he binged <laughs> all, all of season one of each of those already. Well, that's an endorsement right there. <laughs> uh, what else in Young Ages do we want to talk about? I know we spent a whole episode discussing the wonders of City of Ghosts. Oh, yeah. So if you haven't watched City of Ghosts, watch that with your family. That is just a gorgeous nugget of animated joy. Yeah, really, speaking of spoopy things, hauntingly beautiful. Oh, yes. In like a really low-key, but like good-feeling way. Yeah, you can appreciate it as an adult, even though it's aimed for kids. It's a little bit of like the um, ASMR buttons. Like just like city sounds and fun textures to look at, and mm. everyone's just kind of like soft spoken, and it's not 
rushed at all. If the characters need to think about how to approach an action, it shows him thinking about that rather than thinking through it. Mm, that's a good way of putting that. I should have said that in our recording of the episode. <laughs> now, on the, I don't want to say opposite end of the spectrum, we have a show like Spidey and His Amazing Friends from Disney, which is, <laughs> okay, if you have kids, this will make sense to you. So imagine taking PJ masks and putting on a Spider-Man skin on everything, and you have Spidey and his amazing friends. That's all it is. It's PJ masks in Spider-Man skins with better storytelling, but still PJ masks in Spider-Man skins. Well, that's a hot take. Uh, I- I I was surprised by Spidey and his amazing friends. I was like, oh, look, a young kid show Spider-Man. And it is referencing the 80s Spider-Man and his amazing friends show. I was like, okay, fine. I'll give it a try. And the theme song is a banger. <laughs> I, I'm i not kidding. Uh, that Spider-Man theme song uh, should probably live on in, in 2045 when they reboot the Spider-Man movies for the 15th time. I can't wait for like whatever kind of music is popular at that time as a remix of the Spidey's Amazing Friends theme song in that movie hidden somewhere. Good times. Yes. Jack did add it to his favorites right away. Not Not just the song, but like went to the Disney Now app and was like, beep, <laughs> adding this. This one. Yeah, he really enjoyed it. I did, the reason why I said, <laughs> I'm going to say two things about Jack that that um, really tell you everything you might need to know about Jack, but everything you need to know about Spidey and his amazing friends too. <laughs> so they were climbing around. I think Miles was climbing around on the roof or something. Jack's like, oh, he does that just like Gecko. I'm like, yep, he sees it too. PJ Masks, he sees it. And then they they get out of this, their headquarters outside of Aunt May's house. Like this headquarters grows up and they shoot their webs and they go swinging. And Jack turns to me and he says, what are their webs connecting to? What are they swinging from? The clouds? Are they connecting to the clouds? (laughs) That's the constant Spider-Man problem. In the episode I watched, they at least started to address that because, like, Rido had a jetpack. It was like, I'm going to fly higher than Spider-Man can swing. And it's a problem at first until, like, Miles catches on and then Peter has to follow up quickly. And, like, they show Pete in the background still above the building. (laughs) It's like, wasn't this a thing where you couldn't reach him? Uh, but that you know that's a problem for every Spider-Man property. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dock this one for that. I'm not gonna dock it, but <laughs> it was just funny that within three minutes of the episode starting, Jack turns to me and is like, "What are their webs connecting to?" <laughs> and so I had to say, you know, Jack, this is what they call in animation a cheat. <laughs> <laughs> And we had that fun conversation. 
<sighs> oh, Jack. Bless him. And he's like, see, there, that's connecting to a building, but those, they weren't buildings in the other before. And I was like, I know. I know, Jack. <laughs> this is part of being a Spider-Man fan. You just eventually have to go like, I don't care. This is fine. Uh, I, but I do like that apparently Liv is back in, <laughs> in here, too. I was like, oh, good. Like the female Dr. Octavius. This, from the little bit that I saw of just the one episode and the uh, the intro, it seemed like it's very much like a Spider-Verse like inspired thing. Like Disney went, we want to fully own this. <laughs> it, like the kids version of Spider-Verse without any of the, <laughs> the, the drama in it. Because it felt like the logo on the computer was the same as the Spider-Verse logo too, like the spray painted Spider-Man. I feel like it too, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they had Gwen, I mean, Ghost Spider and Spin. Is Spin Miles? Yeah. Okay. I was trying to understand yeah, their it was, names. It was a little strange. Like, okay, so, I mean, because I guess they both can't be Spider-Man. They both can't be Spidey. I mean, I know that Gwen goes by Spider-Gwen to the people of us outside our world, but... Yeah, you can't be Spider-Gwen <laughs> in the reality. <laughs> like, what's your secret identity, Spider-Gwen? <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it, so it's a fun show. If if you if your kids are hooked on PJ Masks and you would rather them be hooked <laughs> on something um, that is a property that you enjoy uh, as a gateway Marvel show uh and a something that you can feel safe with them watching that actually does try to teach some kind of friendship lesson spidey and his amazing friends will do that for you also be prepared to buy a lot of toys Mm. just be prepared to buy a lot of toys that's a trend i forgot to mention this year cg animation where all the characters are shaped like toys Mm. why why try to make a toy based on an 80s cartoon when now you can just design your character to match the toy that you've engineered for real life? <laughs> and I'm sorry to say, I don't hate that aesthetic. I kind of like it a lot. Well, this is one that was in our um, all ages, but I'm making a executive decision to move it to the younger ages of Augie Augie in on Netflix, mm. which is animated and built like they are toys. Like they're, I, they look like teeny little kitty cat toys made out of fabric, but all of their stuff looks like a plastic toy. All of the set pieces, which are really small, like the, the one that I watched, um, I think his name is Akiyagi, the main kitty who just meows a lot. I don't know. Yeah, it's a spinoff of um, Augie and the Cockroaches, right? But for younger audience. Is it? I didn't watch this one. I sadly can't tell you. Anyway, but there's a... They're doing the weather 
And so what they have to do is <laughs> there's a one cat that looks at his clipboard and sees what weather to give to each little location. And so he goes up in his ladder and he hangs the sun. And then he'll go over and he'll hang the sun in this other one, these little plastic light-up suns. And he gets hurt. His butt gets hurt um, from falling. And the blue cat will puts a Band-Aid on him and says, like, didn't say because there's no dialogue. It's just saying, I'm going to take over for you. Give me the clipboard. And he goes out and each place he makes an executive decision at the time to, to say, nope, I'm going to put up a rain cloud. There you go. Now, now you could drink. Oh, you don't need just one sun. You need two suns for your corn. So your corn will grow. But then it starts popping into popcorn. Like it's just, it seems like toys. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, I, after three seconds of watching it, I was like, I, I don't know if I want to show this to Jack because he will watch it all the time. <laughs> he will be obsessed so it's with both these cats. An endorsement and a cautionary tale for this cartoon. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is not annoying. It is super charming. It is more charming than I expected it to be from the opening credits. But I'm sure that if, after 30 minutes of watching it, parents, this is a good, safe thing for your kid to watch while you wash the dishes or while you get some other thing done. So, you know, like while your kids are doing the laundry, this is a good show for them. Yeah. This is their laundry show. This is their laundry show. It's, it's a really... Um, Really safe, just silly, no big plot, no scary thing. Just a little bit of light silliness. Three stories per 22-minute episode. So it's like really short, sweet, cute stuff. Off to check it out. I have to follow more of that studio because I like their work. Yeah. I like the aesthetic. The aesthetic surprised me. Um, anything else in young ages that we want to recommend? I do want to recommend Alma's Way. Um, from, oh my gosh. I, I'm trying to remember. It's on PBS Kids. Um, it's from Sonia Manzano, who played Maria in Sesame Street. Uh, and it's based on her life as a Puerto Rican in the Bronx. And it takes place, it's a young girl named Alma in the Bronx and her life. And what I appreciate about it is that um, it's also produced a connection with the Fred, Fred Rogers um, production company. So we know that it's gonna teach kids good emotional lessons and the lessons you see Alma, there's always a part in the episode where Alma goes through what she's what she did and what were the consequences of her actions and what was the choice she should have made to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. She's like, wait a minute, what has happened? How did I get here? Oh, I did this, then this happened, then this happened, and now I'm here. I should have done this 
what can I do now to fix it? And I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I have a show like this for two reasons? One, to see people like me on screen. And two, like to, to really give an emotionally healthy way of thinking through the consequences of your actions. So it's just, I, I, was, I just wanted to put a plug for that on, on PBS. It's such a sweet show. It's emotionally educational. Oh, yeah. Which, so it's like the, if Ada Twist is all about STEM, and yes, there's some emotion, but it's, it's really how to think through a problem externally. Alma's Way is really about the, the heart and soul of somebody who's really working through the emotional intelligence of, of the things that are going on in her life. Good old PBS. They always have like one good one every year that we have to recommend. Yeah. Yeah. It's good on them. Good on them. Shall we move to the all ages category? I think I don't want to, I don't want to say that we'll just have a huge list of everything that we're going to. <laughs> but I feel like there are a lot of things worthwhile in this group. I agree. And I think just to get it out of the way so we don't spend all of our time on things we've already talked about, too. You can listen to our episodes from this past year about, uh, let's see, let me go look at this, about Kid Cosmic, which we highly recommend. And we have a whole episode devoted to that. So we're recommending it again here, but we're going to spend more time on other things. <laughs> um, the Bad Batch we've already talked about as well. Um, Chippendale Park Life we've talked about. Um, last episode? Last episode. Yes. Okay. Uh, we've talked about Jellystone previously. Uh, we've talked about some of the Tom and Jerry shorts previously. Uh, so you can check our episodes out about all this stuff from the past year. Um, we recommend it. That's the end of our discussion on those great, great things already. <laughs> Chris, do you have a favorite all ages one that you watched? Let's see. The one that surprised me, well, there were two that really surprised me um, because of they're based on previous IPs. Um, one was uh, the <laughs> Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs. Oh. On, on HBO Max. I was not expecting to laugh so hard at that show. Um, I didn't see this one, so I'm giving you looks of surprise. Yeah. Uh, this, Pebbles and Bam Bam, a little bit older. Love to hang out in the, in, in the crag. And um, I do appreciate the dramaturgy of canned laughter. And for the characters, but only when it it's something going on with the adult characters. Oh, smart. I was like, oh, that's when I said, I really like what they're doing. Like, because <laughs> I was like, did I just hear canned laughter? And then I was like, no, I couldn't have. There's been no canned laughter. In the second episode, I was like, oh, I see. It's because of the parents. Um, and then Jack 
caught me. <laughs> it feels like I only do laundry when I watch shows, but um, <laughs> I was folding clothes and Jack came home and he caught an episode. And um, as it ended and I was, you know, putting some things away uh, before I could do anything, Jack clicked next episode. So he was like, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> like, just show the next one. He had a, he watched half of one and then comes in and is like, click, show the next one. <laughs> he watched like three in a row. So. That's a Jack endorsement. I feel like normally you have to really like warm him up to a show. But yeah, like six minutes of, you know, Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs. And he was like, next. <laughs> um, so that surprised me. And the other one that surprised me was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Not He-Man, not... Masters of the Universe Revelations, but He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, because I'd never really watched He-Man as a kid. I think we talked about this in our He-Man episode, but I was like, this was so different from any of the mythology from before. Um, and Jack and I were just like, where's this going? What is this about? <laughs> like, this is such a mystery and it's really exciting and I don't know what's happening. I totally agree. I watched that first episode. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm going to keep watching this. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> just because I never thought of myself as a He-Man person before now. Right. Wow. Um, two He-Men in one year that I enjoy. Um, it's another show that's kind of in the the animated like toys yes. kind of area, uh, which is an aesthetic that I like. Um, and it kind of, well, I, I'm going to show my age now, um, cause I don't play these games. It looked like, um, it was trying to spiritually be like Fortnite, the He-Man TV show. Hmm. I can see that. It also felt really close to troll hunters. Yes. Like it, like the character design, uh, the, um, the magic the feeling of the magic and the technology. I was like, this feels, I've seen this. To, you know, to pull out the David Spade, like, I, I liked it when it was called Troll Hunters, you know. <laughs> I, I did notice some of the design similarity as well, which I don't mind. It's fine. They're disconnected worlds. We're doing cool, stylish things with CG and eventually we'll exhaust ourselves of all the cool ideas there. We as if Chris and I are creating any of these cool CG shows. Uh <laughs> The world will exhaust themselves on this. But for now, there's all kinds of cool technological things that we can do that we couldn't do before. I can't imagine Tila's hovery headset thing done in traditional animation just because right. that'd be a pain in the butt. Yeah, I every time, every shot, it's like, oh, those things. <laughs> oh, those things. <laughs> like, they're cool. I like them. It definitely wouldn't be in like a traditionally animated show. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I also knowing very little about He-Man mythology, I liked the, um, changes that they made that I picked up on, on the mythology. Uh, I thought it was very interesting choices and, um, I'm excited to see where it goes and I have no idea. And I had very little idea before my knowledge <laughs> of He-Man, but I definitely have no idea now. I did, um, to go, to go off one of your points talking about um, something you couldn't do in 2D. It was also really interesting to have 
some reinvented things that were 2D, um, now in 3D form, that weren't the huge story change that He-Man was. You know, it wasn't a reinvention. It was just an update, hmm. you know. It feels like almost incremental. And I think of things like Camp Coral, the, mm-hmm. the Spongebob prequel. Prequel is a good uh, definition, yeah. <laughs> um, where it just feels like Spongebob in CG animation at camp. It's like the things that they're doing with it feel really um, creative and interesting. You know, the way they've animated things, it still tries to feel like 2D animation. So it tries to have that soul. But then there's also the the Rugrats mm-hmm. reinvention, which tries to be a continuation, but also a reboot of it at the same time. I'll say I I didn't I didn't love Camp Coral, but I've never been a big SpongeBob person. Me neither. Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't feel like. I would put it on par with SpongeBob for me. It's not that I thought it was bad. It's just like I watched. It's like, nice. This isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the Patrick Star show more than Camp Coral. If you watched that one. I did not watch that one. Tell me a little. I, I, I hate. I don't want to say that I hate Patrick, but. <laughs> you have uh, an aversion to the archetype that is Patrick. Yes, I understand. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I get that. Um I'm probably not going to keep watching Patrick Star Show either. Um, but I, I thought that it did something new and interesting and different in SpongeBob world. Hmm. Um, it's based, I, I'm not up in my SpongeBob lore. I'm sorry, internet. Um, Patrick moves in with his parents and family. And then he and his sister put on a TV show, but it's literally like he goes into a room shaped like a TV and they open a curtain for everyone on the street to watch. I'm not super clear on the lore, um, but it's an interesting new premise and setup with different characters and different archetypes, uh, still just as hashtag random and crazy as SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like a little like mini bit in the middle of the one episode that I watched where um, it like cut away to someone watching a broadcast of the show also, but it was switched then to like CG animation of uh, Plankton as Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> with Patrick as Igor and SpongeBob as Frankenstein's monster doing a bit in like black and white, like spooky CG animation. I'm like, this is cute, interesting, and weird. I think I like it. Okay, I think I might have to watch it at least an episode. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it's different than. Um, everything you know about SpongeBob so far. Which Camp Coral feels like retelling in some ways. Same it's a SpongeBob you know in a in a new way and a new environment. Yeah, I think that's why I was a little like not in love with it. I, I it felt like a lot of the same character relationships just translated to a younger age in a different place, but like Mr. Krabs is still the boss as the camp director. Squidward is still the one, the futzy one who gets people in trouble because he's their camp counselor. 
Uh, just felt like all the same elements were there in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Which was pretty much the same as that what Rugrats did, but still felt... Fresher? Yeah. 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 I surprisingly liked the Rugrats one a lot as someone who didn't follow Rugrats was growing up in the Rugrats era. Um, They did a lot of like minor and major character adjustment, which I really enjoyed. I thought it felt really updated for everything being animated to look exactly like the original. Right. The grandfather especially got... um, Got a big, is that, is that, would that be considered a glow up? I don't know. There's, there's something endearing about old, like silent era, crotchety grandpa, like Abe Simpson style that he was. Yeah. Um, but they now have just kind of gone like, let's make this the equivalent of the grandpas of today. Mm-hmm. And so he's like an ex hippie baby boomer <laughs> instead <laughs> who does yoga. I'm like, this adds an interesting dynamic and I like the change. It's not grandpa just, just more the same characters, but older than the other adults. He's a different, unique character on his own. Mm-hmm. And I love that Phil and Lil's mom is like this casually dropped in the first episode, like is just full on a lesbian now. Like, Oh yes. Tell me more about your ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> I do also like that Grandpa accidentally got a, a date with a man, too. That was pretty hilarious. Uh, yes. I, I'm already on board for getting, like, two gay references in the first episode. Like, okay. <laughs> Good job, Rugrats. It's like, why are all these people coming over to my house? And even on top of that, it felt like they were not quite as strong as, like, DuckTales 2017, playing with the idea of the younger characters and or the previous characters and changing your mind about them. But it felt like they were pushing at the boundaries of the characters. Since the first episode is about Chucky being the brave one Mm -hmm. and like not just being a coward all the time. And like the deal at the end is like, I'll be the brave one. Sometimes if you're the cowardly one, sometimes Tommy and not all fitting into our archetypes as humans or babies or human babies, I guess. (laughs) Like there was, for a moment, there was a distinction between the two. Humans or babies. Um, But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. This is a show that I was like not planning on watching except for this. And now I'll I'll probably watch um, some more of it sporadically. Awesome. Um, Speaking of also another one that was off my radar pretty much entirely... I just, I was looking through our list again. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a long list. Um, I do want to also mention real quick uh, the fun of Elliot from Earth. If you haven't seen Elliot from Earth, I would recommend watching that. Um, I didn't get to see the first episode. I watched the fourth episode. Sometimes I like to skip around on these new shows just to see. Um, and it's just, it feels like a light-hearted mystery in space um, with silliness of kind of like an infinity train-esque silliness, mm. but without like the darkness of it. 
But it's just, but there is this mystery of why Elliot and his mom got taken to this other world um, and what's going on. And it just feels, it feels also very Douglas Adams. So I, I was like, I'm, I'm with this. I, I really, it was striking a lot of chords that I really enjoyed. Okay. I, that is the one that I wanted to watch, but gave up on the Cartoon Network app. The yeah. I'm trying to watch. I, that's why I ended up watching episode four. Cause it wasn't worth, like, I've already signed in with my, I've already authenticated. Just give me, I'll watch this one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll just watch this one. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. Um, so I will try to find, find my legitimate way of watching that one. Okay. What else? What else, Mackenzie? What else did we find? Um, gosh, there's so much to talk about. Ugh, don't even know where to go next. Uh, I just want to give like passing shout outs to I Heart Arlo on Netflix, which is the continuation of the Arlo movie, which we talked about earlier in the year or last year even. Um, and I think at the time we're like, this is good. It feels like the pilot for a TV show. And the, here's the TV show. <laughs> um. So I, I like seeing those characters in, in new ways and new scenarios in the show. And uh, Middlemost Post uh, kind of on Nickelodeon is another one of those like not quite story driven shows, but for all ages, not for younger audiences and just kind of in the hashtag so random bit of animation. But it felt really well executed in that. Mm. So if you're a fan of like... Um, I don't know what it reminds me of, like Flapjack from Cartoon Network in the whatever decade. I don't even know the decade anymore. That's bad. <laughs> um, I'd recommend Middlemost Post as well. Um, one that I wasn't sure whether to include here in all ages or for adults <laughs> was Centaur World. Yeah. I, I've watched the first episode trying to get a sense of, is this a family show? For all of us to watch, um, and I still, I, I don't know. I, Rochelle, <laughs> Rochelle watched it, and she was just like, "What? Are, what is this? What are we watching?" Like, I think she came in like a couple minutes after the whole prologue. Essentially, it's like, "What? What? What is this horse? What? What is going on? Why are they singing?" I don't think there's anything in it that would be uh, a no-go for kids, but it definitely is aiming at a a higher brow, more ironic audience, mm. I think. Um, it's a show I watched the whole season of earlier in the year, um, and I liked it. I enjoyed the singing. Some of it's still stuck in my head. There's a song late in the series called... Um, comfortable Doug that I sing to myself all the time. <laughs> um, I love the animation. I love just the random premise of rather than like Greek myth style, like a, a person meets some centaurs. Uh, it's a horse meets some centaurs, which is just kind of objectively funny on the surface level anyway. Um, but it kind of builds into a more, Gravity Falls, Owl Housey, Steven University, like larger plot um, mm. as you go through it. And I'm excited to see 
where that goes. And while each episode was fun, definitely the last episode is like, a, oh, this is a different show than what I conceived of it being kind of twist. Is it like the, I, I remember seeing this meme on Twitter, like first season of shows be like, and it has like sunshine and everything. And like third season of show of these animated shows, and it's just darkness and grimness and all the, all the trees are dead and everything. Yes. Like, oh. Yes. Uh, the villain question mark has a theme song they sing throughout Centaur World they hear sometimes. And it's just like this. It's one of those like happy, creepy songs. Mm. Yeah. His name is the Nowhere King, which kind of just gives you like an idea already in your head of where this is going. Mm. <laughs> I look forward to watching more of that. Yeah, I recommend it. It's fun. It's very fun. It's catchy. I mean, I, there are a lot of musical theater folk in there, you know, so... I mean, I, I love me some Kamiko Glenn, so. I'm not going to lie. I'm always glad to see fellow alumnus Josh Radner getting work somewhere, so. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I share my alma mater with very few people. Let me have this. Feel free. Thank you. <laughs> um. I just earlier today watched The Ghost and Molly McGee, which I've been trying to like get a hold of and get to for a while. And that's another Disney Channel show that I love. Who would have guessed? I know. It's it's really cute. So but cute. I, I appreciate flipping the script. You know, every time they do this of somebody who's just so optimistic just her optimism all the way through. I, and I look forward to her moving beyond that because you know it's going to happen. Like, you know that these Disney Channel characters find something that they think that they are and that's all they are. And then there's that turn that happens between, you know, the pairings or the, the group that they get put in and they just start changing each other. And I, I look forward to that moment. I know Disney Channel is such a good, such a good track record. And I hope that Disney Plus starts using that money, those creatives um, to create a continuation of this chain of triumphs the Disney Channel's had for the past decade. Mm. That would be nice. Or hire us, Disney Plus. McKenna has ideas. Um, you has IP, we has ideas. <laughs> and how. <laughs> I think there's one more All Ages one that we wanted to mention that I think you said you watched the first episode of also. Wolf Boy at the Everything Factory. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tell me Wolf more, Chris. Boy. Oh, my God. I I didn't know what to think watching the first part of it, um, it's just this, it begins, it feels very much like, a, I wouldn't be surprised if it's some British novel, you know, based on, on it, um, a young boy wearing a, a wolf mask off to boarding school. If that's not a premise 
for something delightful and magical to happen. I don't know what is. Um, and he ends up and he ends up meeting these sprites in this cloud and he ends up in this magical world. And I'm like, uh, I was just bought in. Um, there's a lot of comedy, but there, there's a ton of heart and there's a lot of emotion in there in terms of he's getting made fun of, he's getting bullied, he's not sure of himself, but he he's called on in this first episode to save this cloud and it I'm like, my child needs to watch this. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was watching it on a lunch break. It was like, I my child needs to watch this um, about how to regulate yourself and your emotions and help other people. It's like, there's something perceptive going on here. And I hope that the other episodes are like, ex- not exactly like this, but like tackle the same type of thing where it's, yes, it's about magic and things, but it's also about, that really human connection and being smart about each other and um, empathy. So I'm I I was shocked uh, where it went, uh, not just because of the the story, which was interesting and and made me question what's going on, but that that moment where the character says. You know, there's a huge storm cloud, and he just says, "I'm." I sometimes feel like a big storm inside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is everything." <laughs> Where did this show come from? This is everything. Wolf Boy and the Giving Me Everything Factory. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah, I found it extremely charming in its animation and its dialogue and the accents of the actress saying the dialogue. Mm. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a little like Hilda yes. meets something else. I can't think of the something else, but there's a Hilda element in there. Yeah, I, I would I would if you wanted to link things together, I'd say it's like Hilda Kipo Mm. And a little bit of Chronicles of Narnia slash Harry Potter. Like mm-hmm. if you kind of mush all of those together, you sort of get this. It's not any one of those things entirely, but it feels very close to those. Plus like a drip of like PBS kids. <laughs> like just yes. a dr- drip of Fred Rogers in there. Like drip. That's accurate. I could totally see that. <laughs> you know, it's going to move us on, but I totally forgot uh, the uh, imaginary elephant in the room. Uh, Pixar had a bunch of stuff come out this year as a TV show. You're right. Uh, Monsters at Work being their first TV show. Yeah. And that's a show. I, I was trying to think of what I think of it. I, I watched all the episodes. Yes. It felt a little bit like Pixar doing the um, their own version of the Disney formula. Let's take this animated movie and do a live action remake that f- fixes all like the plot holes and things people have problems with. Right. And it kind of felt like Monsters at Work did that for Monsters, Inc. 
mm-hmm. um, while also continuing the story. It was a lot of like picking out little bits from Monsters Inc. and I think to a lesser degree Monsters University and saying like, well, what does this mean as the story moves forward? Like, did they really just leave that abominable snowman guy there? They didn't do anything with him? <laughs> right. It was like monsters at loose ends or monsters at work tying up loose ends. Yeah. And it was charming as as a monster's property is um, it had fun, boppy music and like the, the, the credits are always a joy. And it just felt like a little nostalgic for like a cartoon that never existed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like if there was a cartoon in the late 50s about living in the late 50s that wasn't the Flintstones, um, <laughs> it would be this. Yes. Yeah, it felt a little old-fashioned, but I, I, I enjoyed it. As, as somebody whose first dance with his wife was to, you know, If I Didn't Have You from Monsters Incorporated. Um, if that tells you anything about who I am as a person, (laughs) like I, I really wanted to enjoy the show. Not that I didn't, it was just, it, what do I want to say? It was very snacky. Like, I don't, (laughs) you know, it was like, it wasn't a binge watch. It was a nibble watch as my husband. Yeah. It's like, I'll watch it. Cool. There was one week where I realized, oh yeah, I didn't watch three episodes. I better catch up on those. So I, you know, so I enjoyed these characters, you know, the especially the new characters. But it wasn't like, oh, I need to find out where this is going or how this is going to work. You sort of knew where things were headed, but you also weren't surprised by you know, when they get there, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I know this is going to happen, but I don't know how. And that's the big question. Mm. It was like, oh, okay. I, we were just there. Perfect. We've, we've made it. Yeah. I, I would say that's a good assessment of the show. I don't know if they're making a season two or a sequel, or if there was just like a one and done season type thing. Um, but I'm glad they did it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think them doing that and Doug Days, which I <laughs> this was probably a mistake, but um I showed Jack up for the first time so we could watch Doug Days. Uh-oh. Did you skip the first 15 minutes? Nope. Nope. We watched <laughs> the whole thing. Um <laughs> He was devastated and angry through most of the whole movie. Um, why is he alone? Um, <laughs> and then, like, the, the, the villain burns the house. Oh, gosh. And he just lost it. He was like, I'm never watching this terrible movie again. <laughs> so then we watched Doug Days. And the first episode of Doug Days, Jack loved it. He was laughing hysterically. Second episode of Doug Days, puppies come over and they rip up Doug's toys and Jack loses it. Like, no, those things are special to him and they're just ripping it up. What are they? It was devastated. 
devastated. You know how sometimes a cartoon will like ramp up the, um, make something feel really intense to make it even funnier. Like a, mm-hmm. there's a toy and you know that the toy's there and we make it like a horror film. Like these cute little puppies are going to go after the toy and it turns into a horror film almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not funny to a, to a really, really empathetic nine-year-old. <laughs> not funny still, at all. I do feel like after all your pad wanting to help him through this, Jack is going to grow up to be like the best dramaturg the world has ever seen or something. He's just going to know how story works, where things are going, what the formula is, what to expect, how to subvert expectation. He's going to know <laughs> it so he himself is prepared for any story. Yeah. <laughs> I, f- I forget what we were watching. It was like, I know it's going to, I know it's going to be okay because the theme song said, oh, it was Shira. Theme song said, we're going to win in the end. So it's going to be okay, but it's really hard right now. But the theme song wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> and these are the good guys. Didn't think of the theme song value that way, but I see it. (laughs) So, yeah, Doug Day is fun, but also devastating, (laughs) apparently, in a different way that was totally unexpected. Man, there was a lot in that list. There was. um, I guess we can jump into the adult-oriented stuff where... Jack, hopefully, did not have a chance to be devastated by any of these. Jack has not watched any of these shows. (laughs) Nor will he in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of more adult-oriented stuff. And less in the, like, wacky character sitcom animated comedy genre, which was great. Oh, yeah. love that we're, like, expanding the idea of adult animated stuff into... Things that are so gory, they turn Ken off. <laughs> Such as? I don't know. Just, I don't have any specific examples there. <laughs> I'm not calling anything out. I'm not subtweeting okay. anything in this podcast. I see. Okay. Uh, but there's definitely anime that I've watched that people have like recommended. Like, is this just adult because there's blood everywhere? If you remove the blood, would this be a final ages show? Why not do that? This, this category... <laughs> this list, it's always this fun time of year where my wife walks in when I'm watching something and asks, what the hell are you watching? It's always a wonderful time. I'm going to guess that that was about Q-Force specifically. <laughs> no, she actually enjoyed Q-Force. Yes. Um, I don't... What do you... I have feelings, but I want to hear your feelings about Q-Force. Uh, Q-Force is a slow burn for me. Uh, my husband and I watched it all the way through. Really? Uh, recently, yeah. It's I don't know how to describe it. I don't think that the trailers did a good job selling what Q-Force was. I think they tried to sell it as um, Archer but gay, um, mm-hmm. which isn't not true. <laughs> that is the premise um, but it's also not just like 
Archer, but full of queer people written by straight people. It's clearly a show lovingly written and acted by all kinds of queer people because the jokes are bitingly specific and true. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of good examples. Uh, they have a supercar they named the Subo Rue McClanahan. Um, I have to learn the whole joke by heart, but at one point they quip like, what is a straight man except a lesbian with less skills? And I think something else. <laughs> um, it's very true, very adult um, in terms of both just gore and animated genitalia and joke humor. Um, and it's just kind of weird and fun while also being a celebration of um, being queer and deserving to be counted in a category. And I think for the characters in the show, that's being counted as super spies and the show itself is like, we deserve to have this crazy, ridiculous super spy show too. Hmm. I don't know. What were your feelings as a (laughs) not queer person? As a not queer person, it felt, and this could be totally my, um, some some of my implicit bias or something. I don't know. I was like, this feels really. It, it feels like white guy gay. Yes, but it also makes fun of that at the same time. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm trying to. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It felt like it was trying to push boundaries, but it also felt like it wasn't. But I only watched the first episode and I'm like, this could be a setup for all kinds of subversion later on. But uh, from the first episode, I'm like, I think I know what I'm getting and I don't know if I'm getting anything other than this. Uh, as as uh, a man who is white and queer and... Um, is allowed to vocally get on a soapbox and complain about my, my, my fellow uh, sexual orientation people who are also white and male uh, every few years and complain about being in the liberal minority of that demographic <laughs> for some reason. Um, it, I think it does go beyond just that base level and kind of makes fun because it makes a point of the main character being like, a middle-aged and aging in uh, the white gay community and kind of shows that he was much more hashtag basic in his past and a little irredeemable. And the characters he knows from the past tend to be like bad guy supervillains now. <laughs> mm. Okay. So you're not wrong for your reading. It maybe could go further in what it does. Um, but I'm a little bit of an apologist for it in that case too. <laughs> I'll take the content I can get, Chris. I, I totally understand. So, um, what what else was out there that you found in this category that you would want to recommend? Uh, I think the one show that everyone is watching and may find this episode through just by putting the name of the show into podcasts is Marvel's What If. Mm. Um, 
which is a really well-written PS3 cutscene of a show. <laughs> I do like it. I, I like the uh, writing and the dialogue. Um, I'm glad that there are whole swaths of adults out in the world watching animation that have not otherwise given two second thought to animation of for the past 10 years or so. Um, I do think there are things out there that are better looking and executed perhaps a bit more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a fun show. It delivers exactly what it promises and has some good jokes in there because you have uh, Marvel MCU money to say this is canon and pay m- most to all of the actors to come back and reprise their roles. So you have Jeff Goldblum like giving one line an episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping the scoot scoots. Like, thanks, Jeff Goldblum. I'm glad you were a background <laughs> character who got one line this episode. Yeah, I, I've there've been a couple of moments where I'm like, they they got them for that. They got them for that. To say that. I mean, it goes yeah. back to getting like Chris Hemsworth and Loki to play a frog for a 20 second joke. <laughs> Did he play the frog? I missed that entirely. Yeah, they're like panning down and you see Thor turn into a frog. And he's like, ah! But oh, it's, I, it's a new recording that they oh made, especially for the show. It's not like some <laughs> Thor roar that they got from before. A Thor roar that they got from before. It's a, <laughs> woo, it's a, it's totally new. Wow. Um, yeah, when you can throw unlimited money at uh, a cartoon show or just any show, like the things you could do are great. Animation can do what all the plebs seem to think animation could do all along, just be anything for any amount of budget at any time. And as many new costumes as you want per episode. Right. Um, so yeah, I enjoy What If. Uh, I think I enjoy it more as part of the MCU than its own like cartoon show though. And I don't think it could exist as its own TV show in its current form and what it's trying to do right now, because things are only funny for the most part because of knowing what the original was. Mm -hmm. Without that juxtaposition to the original, a lot of those things would be big shrugs yeah, totally agree. And props to Marvel and Disney for knowing that one can do a what if, but live action would be extremely confusing to an average person. Uh, therefore, this one must be animated so you can visually tell the difference between the two things that are canon. Mm-hmm. One's kind of like fun, silly side canon, and one is uh, canon canon. I do love the story about the writers of Marvel's What If?, doing, um, uh, writing the, what was it? They were doing the Guardians of the Galaxy and they were writing this and they were like, uh, came up with this crazy wild story. They're like, you could do whatever, like just really break it and bend it and go as far as you can. They're like, okay, we got this wild idea. We did this, they did this. And then Disney came to them and they're like, you can't do this episode. They're like, why not? They're like, 
you basically wrote Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Like, you can't, <laughs> like, it almost is beat for beat in this whole area. <laughs> volume 3, you can't do it. They're like, so wait, we accidentally somehow, like, side manufactured like the real Guardians of the Galaxy sequel. Fan theories can come true. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't do this. This is whole. This is basically the whole third act of Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume Three. <laughs> well done. Oh, I, I loved reading that. I was like, that's that's something. That's great. I don't recall the writers off the top of my head for What If, but I know that it's a number of writers who I've known from other shows and liked as well. So I was excited for What If, knowing there was a known factor of like people I know have worked on other cartoons and written good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so that was nice. And you know, the other thing I left off the list here, which is kind of in the same um, quadrant as what if somehow I didn't put star Wars visions on this list. Oh, star Wars visions. I'm surprised that neither of us sought to correct that. <laughs> Adding it to the notes that we never look at again after this. Right. <laughs> Star Wars Visions. Yeah, it's um, Marvel's What If, but for Star Wars and not canon, mm-hmm. possibly. So yeah, it, it's it's in that brand theme of like big known properties doing new crazy cartoon stuff. I do. What I enjoy about it is there's always the moment of, okay, here's where we understand Star Wars. And it's about this, and it's about this, and it's about this. And then all of a sudden, there's a moment of, and now we're just going to explode things for the next seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really interesting to be like, oh, look, here's a, here's a guy in a hood, and he, he's probably going to have some kind of samurai sword as a, as a lightsaber. Okay, great. And we're going to say something about dark side, and we're going to say something about Jedi. Someone's going to be really surprised. And then there's going to be a droid of some kind. And now, ah, (laughs) huge fight. Cool. Cool. Yeah, they definitely, they all understood the assignment of like both get Star Wars and acknowledge it and then do something cool in anime. (laughs) (laughs) I know I was talking earlier about how I'm not a big anime person, but. One studio that I do really like, Studio Trigger, that do anime that I enjoy, did one of the Star Wars Vision shorts. And it's one of the more, like, objectively blow stuff up one. But I thought that it was fun and how it played with that. It was the the twins one where they have the conjoined Star Destroyer with the big can in the middle. Like, oh, yeah, this is silly. I'm on board. (laughs) Yeah, I that's the (laughs) I think it's like the the third episode of of the show. It was like, oh, we're going here. Okay. He's that lightsaber is just going to keep getting bigger in every shot. <laughs> it felt a little bit. This won't make sense to you as a new Nintendo convert. <laughs> There's a Kirby game where Kirby uh, mimic. He copies the abilities of the enemies that he eats. Oh, I, and, yeah, yeah. And one of them, they turn into like super mega anime, like buster weapons <laughs> for some parts of the stage. And one of them, he gets a giant sword. <laughs> This anime bit was just like, this is Kirby with the giant sword in Star Wars. Um, 
So yeah, I, I turned my dramaturg logic brain off. I was like, yes, this is Star Wars and anime and colorful. Yeah. I mean, I was just mostly... I knew what I was going to get, but it does. It still doesn't prepare you for when it does its stretch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, I do enjoy the stretch because it's nice to explore and examine what's at the core of these things. You know, what is at the core of Star Wars? When you make a Star Wars thing, what is that? And I think everybody answers it slightly differently. Um, each artist who is able to, um, it's about the battle of good and evil, and it's about twins. <laughs> it's <laughs> about, you know, or it's about the, the idea of a master protecting this young one. It's about unrequited love. It's about trying to protect the things you love. It's about giving into the dark side trying to do the right thing it's like it's just really interesting all these different stories it's about cute droids not knowing any better you know yeah. whatever it is it's i just enjoy all the different answers for that and they were all entertaining interesting um but unlike what if i thought a couple of them could stand on their own as tv shows and i i kind of anxiously await that it hoping that at least one of them gets turned into a TV show. That'd be interesting. Hmm. Like some of them felt more like endings to things like they're self-contained, nice short films. And I want them to always exist like that forever. Sure. And like two of them felt like jumping off points for like new and interesting and ambitious stories that were very star Wars, but outside of anything we've seen before. Hmm. Are you thinking like the ninth Jedi? Oh yeah. The ninth Jedi would be a, a great I would watch the anime in a heartbeat. <laughs> and then uh, Lop and Ocho, I think, was the other one with the yeah. bunny. Yeah. That Jedi felt Man. very like um, it could be a story the size of like Star Wars Resistance. Yeah. Two seasons. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There you go. So adult animation that isn't just about saying swear words. Right. It's also about big fight scenes in your favorite IP. I mean, there were still plenty of those other ones, uh, you know. Um, I did enjoy Devil May Care on sci-fi just because it is one of those, here's a wacky concept it feels very Aqua Teen Hunger Force in terms of here's just a wacky concept, but with more narrative structure um, and fun characters and Alan Tudyk doing the, as the devil. It's like, well, yeah, great. I'm, oh. I'm on board with that. Alan Tudyk's the devil, you say? Yes. Well, I'll have to find out who owns sci-fi, what streaming service to get that on. <laughs> Then um, I also enjoyed, um, this was a surprising one. I didn't even know it existed until I was looking for Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs and stumbled across um, 10-year-old Tom on HBO Max, which is about a young 
10-year-old kid and just ending up in, like, exaggerated, um, exaggerated situations. It feels in some ways like close enough without going to the absurd as far. It's like, we're going to take this idea and it's going to go all the way to, as far as we can go, but it's not going to go into absurd, like the the wild absurdity metaphor land. It's going to, we're just going to take this idea um, in one episode. <laughs> it's, it's, I know it's going to be a laundry show for me because uh, <laughs> it just feels like a laundry show. Uh, he, he can't afford to get ice cream from the ice cream truck. He can't get a dollar twenty-five. His mom's like, look, money's really tight. Your dad's not really in London. He's off with another woman. So um, I'm sorry. So his friend <laughs> helps him set up a GoFundMe page. And there all these lies get put on the GoFundMe page. Like he eats trash, he works in a coal mine, you know, so he ends up getting like six thousand dollars. And so he's going to go spend it on ice cream and he ends up buying the ice cream truck. And then he like feels so much guilt that he runs the ice cream truck into a river. Like I can't live with it anymore. Like it's just really ridiculous and fun. And I just, and deadpan, like everything in it is just deadpan and so subtle. You do like that. I do love deadpan. I, it's, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. I just really enjoy Deadpan. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. I'm due to resubscribe to HBO Max anyway. <laughs> why, Dune? Yeah, not just Dune. I think there's another movie this month. I forget which one. <laughs> but yeah, Dune. <laughs> Anything else in this category? Um... I don't think anything else that I really want to like call out as like a big recommendation. There's lots to explore in this category this time, this time around. And I think that all the streaming services and networks are trying to find their family guy. So there's a, a lot in that category to explore as well. If you're so interested in looking for a new show in that genre. Hmm. And we did talk about masters of the universe revelations previously. So you could listen to us talk about that. Oh yeah. That good episode. call. I think we've also mentioned Bird Girl previously, which is another one that like I enjoy in the same like laundry show kind of way. Yeah. But I it's it's the less it's almost like Harvey Birdman. But <laughs> what Bird Girl is almost like Harvey Birdman? Right? Are they yeah. the same? Yeah, it's a sequel. <laughs> it's a sequel. I'm I did not realize that. <laughs> Birdman, bird girl. No. Okay. They're both attorneys or whatever they do. <laughs> oh, listeners, the face Chris is making right now. I wish I could translate that to sound. It's kind of okay. like Kermit when he's frowning and he makes that like low groan. It, it, it was my, like, Kermit, like, exasperated 
disbelief. Like, what is wrong with... Oh. Uh, so there are, it's not yet the end of 2021. And, uh, I think there's shows that either Chris or I are excited about seeing in the future as well. Uh, so we want to call out some things that haven't premiered yet that you should check out, uh, because everything delayed by COVID is finally getting unclogged and you are spoiled for content right now in the world. Yes. Um, as you can see by the length of this episode, yeah, there's a lot out there and a lot worth watching. I think specific ones I want to call it that look fun or interesting. Um, Aquaman, King of Atlantis on HBO Max, we mini series. Um, Maya and the Three, Ooh. which is like a, a mini series of movies, I think. <laughs> I don't know if it's really a TV show at that point. Um, Star Trek Prodigy, which both looks good and is Star Trek and has um, a few writers that uh, we enjoy from the Tales of Arcadia world working on it. Mm-hmm. And maybe some others. I don't know the full list right now. Um, Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogway. Hopefully, I think we called this out last year, but I'm hoping this one premieres this year. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm sure they're hoping the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I wrote down Dead India because someone was working on that that I enjoy uh, coming up on Netflix. And um, Unicorn Warriors Eternal, which sounds silly, is the next Gendy Tadakovsky show. <laughs> So that'll be good. Is it as bloody as primal? Is it unicorns as primal or is it silly? I presume it'll involve unicorns stabbing people. I It might be silly and stabby. Silly and stabby. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything as in premiered yet that you're really looking forward to, Chris? I think you listed the big ones. Um, I did see John Leguizamo um, today on Instagram when it wasn't down... Uh, talked about Fairfax, um, a new series on Amazon Prime. Takes place in New York. Excited to see what that is because some of these shows feel very similar to each other and be nice to get some of the diversity in the younger age shows start to show up in the shows for adults. Chris Need can't be ever at once, like, evangelizing about diversity, sadly. Right. I I mean, I would love for her to, like, to talk, bring back to Star Wars, like, to take me as, like, a mentor. Not me as her mentor, but, like... (laughs) Mentee? as 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 an apprentice, so I could, like take her knowledge out into the world and influence it to become a better place. Well, Chris, you too can apply for the um, Sesame Street writer thingy. Sesame Writers Workshop. That one, yes. So you already know. There you go. Yeah. The mentee has become the mentor. And I will try again. There we go. Thumbs up. So... I know we normally talk about our favorite things at this point, but this at the end of these episodes, we also talk about the things that we are going to keep watching. So, Mackenzie, what are you going to keep watching? Uh, a lot of stuff we've talked about before. Um, Kid Cosmic, He-Man Revelation, Bad Batch. 
uh, stuff we're talking about for the first time in this episode. Centaur World, Q-Force, um, the other He-Man show. Uh, <laughs> if I had a child, uh, Ada Twist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the Ghost and Molly McGee, I'll add to that list as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's my, my core group I'm going to fully commit to here. I'll probably dabble in some of the other ones still. And next year might have a... Su- well, I guess not. We'll get to that. Uh, I might have a surprise, at least for Chris, of like what I've kept watching over time. Uh, how about you and or Jack? Um, I'm going to keep watching for... Well, as a family, we're going to watch Kid Cosmic. For myself, I'll keep watching Bad Batch. I do want to return to Centaur World. Um, He-Man... Well, Masters of the Universe Revelations. Uh, I want to watch Elliot from Earth and Wolf Boy and the Everything Factory. Can't wait to have both both of those with the family. And I know Jack is going to watch on his own. Ada Twist, Ridley Jones, Spidey, He-Man, Chip and Dale. If I show it to him, Augie Augie. <laughs> I'm sure I'll show it to him. Um, and also one with, we didn't talk about but I think is I've never heard him laugh as much and so consistently as when he watches the Snoopy show on Mm. Apple TV plus like that. They've done the peanuts. They've put all the best parts of the peanuts, like all the Snoopy stuff condensed it and made it really great and still have it feel like it was made 30 years ago, but somehow it still is funny. Mm -hmm. So he, he loves that show. Like, he laughs ridiculously hard. I, I don't hear him laughing that hard about anything else. But Snoopy, for some reason, just gets him every time. Okay. I mean, why fight the classics? <laughs> well, shall we talk about homework time? Let's. For your homework. Uh, Next time, we're going to talk about art that inspires us to create. Uh, So if you're a writer, um, an animator, um, someone who does anything creative, even if it's not related to cartoons uh, or you aspire to, think about the kinds of um, shows or properties you watch uh, to inspire you, that make you feel invigorated to go out into the world and create. And we're going to dive into that feeling next time, um, which will be our 200th exciting news and final sad news episode of Writers Get Animated. Um, We'll talk more about that next time, uh, but we're really excited to leave you on a feeling of inspiration and creativity um, in the past, after the past, hang on, what year are we on? Six years? (laughs) of writers get animated um so don't feel like we're wrapping something up but rather pushing you on to the next chapter absolutely i think these last three episodes have you know are gonna be define us we talked about the end how a duo endures (laughs) you know lasts throughout the years we're talking about what's happening right now in the present moment right now and then we're talking about what goes off into the future and how we become better artists, which is really what this whole podcast was 
about anyway. It's like looking at the things that we love to become better at doing the thing we love to do. And just think, after 200 episodes of this, we're about 275 hours of listening to Kristen McKenzie. You have the equivalent of like a 22-hour college course on animation (laughs) and another 250 hours on like other stuff. (laughs) Oh, you were about to say it. You were about to say it. As always, um, and for our second to last time, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts to Nigel Cotino, our engineer, and to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. Please find us on the web. Let us know what things uh, you are watching, which of these shows you are excited to go out and watch on Twitter at WG Animated. If it still exists, you can like us on Facebook and... Uh, you can find show notes and links to pretty much watch everything that we've listed on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. And if you have any favorite episodes, maybe download those sooner rather than later. I mean, I presume we're not going to like pay our hosting service forever on this podcast we make no money off of. So, <laughs> dear fans, if you have something you love, keep it. Good night, everybody.